Welcome to the Stewardship Leader Podcast, brought to you by the Christian Stewardship Network. CSN exists to encourage, teach, and connect church and stewardship leaders to help them create and lead healthy stewardship ministries in their church. You can learn more about CSN at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Stewardship a Leader. Today, I am joined by my friend Todd McMitchin, the director of Lifeway Generosity. Todd, so glad that you are taking some time to uh, to discuss some things that are in your heart and my heart, and that's generosity. So thanks for being here. Thank you, Leo. Really big, huge fan of the ministry of CSN and the resources it provides. So I'm, I'm honored to be a part of the conversation. That's great. I also want to mention that Todd is an author of a book called Leading a Generous Church, Making Disciples Without Chasing Money. Uh, love that title. Uh, it speaks so much of who you are and uh, just your heart for generosity. As I've gotten to know you, I really do appreciate how authentic you are about generosity, and you're such a, a great leader in this space. And of course, uh, with Lifeways, uh, Generosity by Lifeway uh, podcast and resources. I just think it's such a wonderful thing that you guys are doing for churches today. So I want to kind of dig into that some more, but I want to start with just having an audience get to know you a little bit. So let's talk about how did you get started in generosity? How, how did Todd get fired up about generosity and why is he doing what he's doing today? Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting story. You know, I actually, now that I'm in the business that I'm in, I can see how God was growing this passion in me all the way back to high school, but I won't bore your audience with that long of a story. I'm sure it's uh, a great one though. Yeah, no, it's, it's fun to look back on and see how God organizes our lives and then puts us in the sweet spot for sure. Yeah. But really probably the most germane to the audience would be back in 2000, I was on staff at a large uh, mega church. We were relocating. The total project cost is in the $60 million range. And I was a part of the team that organized really a discipleship process to raise the funds for that. And uh, it was unique in the season and time. And so that phase of the project back in 2000 was around 20, 25 million. And we actually were able to raise all of those funds and it was an amazing miracle. We moved onto the campus debt free within a year. But what I saw was how God worked, Mm. right? I saw God owned a a calculator I did not own. (laughs) And I watched how he just brought some amazing things together. Uh, There was a lot of giving that happened outside the church by kingdom people and inside the church. And so when I saw that happen, how God funds his kingdom advancement back in 2000, I then started traveling the country and helping churches uh, implement the same kind of process. And so I've been doing the same thing really for 20 years. And now I just get to do it at Lifeway in which I do it on a mass scale, producing tools for all size churches, you know, at a price point that everyone could get in the game on, on how God works when it comes to generosity. Wow, that's great. I mean, I, I love the the personal application and what you uh, were able to learn, and then of course taking that and then spreading it. And I think that's what I love most about uh, the area of generosity and stewardship is that everyone that's part of this family, um, when we get the bug, so to speak, we just can't contain it, right? We need to let everyone know uh, that there's there's something here that's life giving, that's central to who we are as as believers, as Christians. And uh, I definitely sense and feel that and see that uh, as you uh, do what you do. So 
So grateful for that. Um, let's dive into LifeWay. What, what is your primary focus at LifeWay? What do you guys hope uh, to bring to churches, to pastors? Kind of how do you approach your uh, vision for helping churches, uh, especially in the area of generosity and stewardship? Yeah, so, so what we've done at LifeWay is we've created a one-stop shop for pastors to get any, in church leaders, to get any resource they need to help mm-hmm. in this area, right? So we've got a lot of different resources. But pastors call us typically because they need more, more money, right? That's the bottom line. They, they, need more, they need more money. But really, really, Leo, if I, if I had to say what we do, we resource pastors with confidence on how mm. to disciple generosity. So the real issue is not the tool. Tools don't solve problems. It's the confidence to know how to use the tools that solve the problems. So we have all the tools there. And oftentimes they come looking for a widget. You know what I mean? That that little thing they don't have. Yep. But really what's behind all of that is our goal is to, is to raise the confidence and passion of pastors in this area to, uh, to help them get where they want to get. Yeah. That you, I mean, you hit it on the nose there because so much of what pastors are dealing with starts at that bottom line, like how do we make ministry work? And we all know that it takes resources to, to make that happen. Whether that's, hey, we need to have more consistent givers, we are looking to build, uh, we're looking to do some maintenance and we need some extra money that's not built into the typical budget. And so there's always a uh, solve an issue kind of approach to it. Uh, but from what I'm in task with at CSN and what we do through CSN, but also what I see you guys do is that you realize that it's not the actual tool or the symptom that's the issue. You have to go deeper than that. So let's talk about that. When you're talking to a pastor or a church and you're trying to help them understand this, and they approach you from the perspective of, hey, uh, we are trying to build X amount of resources to do this one project. How do you help them to see the bigger picture? What do you specifically walk them through to help them to understand that there's more at stake than just the next capital campaign? Yeah. So, um, boy, there's so many, obviously it depends on their situation, but the, to pull it together, what I try to expose is our tendency is to lead with transactional thinking, which is what do I do to get the money in? Right. Right. And quite honestly, it doesn't feel good to a pastor or church leader to lead that way, but that's kind of all, all we know. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel really good for the giver either because they, right. they sense that, right? They, they don't like it either, but they understand and everyone goes along with it, though we don't feel great about it. And there's really a whole nother way to lead that I call transformation. And it is in the sweet spot of the pastor. It is in really his wheelhouse because as you know, there's so many biblical principles and promises related to generosity that if we can put it in the wheelhouse of a pastor and you're leading with the Bible, instead of leading with financial pressure or budget pressure, it's better for everybody. Mm-hmm. So really, I mean, that's, a, that's the place that I try to trans, you know, transfer our thinking a little bit on how we're doing this. Yeah, it's, it's get, taking them back to the foundation of why ministry is important, and it's the biblical principles. It's, it's literally what your book is all about, which is discipleship. Right. If we're if we're focusing on making disciples, then this is just one of those things that we have to talk about, that we must talk about, because it's such a central part of every person's life. I think of a pastor, a senior pastor, who has a, a bit of a resistance toward talking about money because they don't want to be perceived as someone that's about the money, but at the same time, 
I know that pastors is like anybody else. They also have to manage money. They also have to do their part. And some of them are more confident in that area than others. So there might be a resistance to that as well because of maybe lack of confidence or lack of knowledge in that area. But it always comes back to what am I communicating and is it authentic? Is it coming from the heart or is it coming from the head? Is it coming from a place of scarcity or is it coming from a place of confidence that God is able to accomplish uh, all that he has set out to do, the vision that he's given to a pastor in the church? And I think that's so important to focus on, hey, God is able to do this. We just need to make sure we're doing it his way rather than our way. So how do you then begin to resource them? What are some of the things that you guys have developed to help them start this process and develop that mindset? Yeah, so we have all, all kinds of tools, but let's just start with kind of a coaching, the coaching and training module that we've created. We've created over 100 hours of videos for pastors and church leaders. Mm-hmm. And what I've done is I, I kind of, you, you and I both served in this role, right? We were full-time stewardship generosity pastors of very large churches. Right. So what I did was I said, all right, I'm going to be the um, virtual stewardship generosity pastor for every church in America. And I'm going to create my year's worth of work in videos and in downloadable tools and assessments and, and even messages and small groups and budgeting to all kinds of stuff. And so I, I broke the, the church year into what I call a generosity cycle with six things every church does every year financially and organized a whole year's worth of work and, and created really myself for a pastor to put on a video screen in on his computer or in an in a office room with other leaders and say, hey, let's watch, let's discuss, and let's implement mm. what, what he's saying. So that's, that's what I tried to do was take our old jobs and put them on a put them, put them in uh, you know an automated version for all size churches. It doesn't matter how big or small you are, you know you can put into play the things we talk about. Yeah, there's definitely standard practices, so to speak, things that just come apparent as you soon as you start serving in this role. You realize in order to disciple people to help them both with the the biblical foundation, but also the practical journey that there are some steps that are pretty standard things that we all run across. That's one of the reasons why I really love CSN is because it brings all those people together. So now we can collaborate together and not just the people, but all our partners think along the same line. So many of them were stewardship pastors at some point or, or had a role uh, in the financial part of the church. So they're coming with their experience, with their, both their wins and their fails, which sometimes a fail is just as good as a win because it prevents you from experiencing that fail yourself and just, you learn it from somebody else. So I think that's so good. that you've taken the time to really think through and say, okay, if I had to walk a pastor through a whole process of what I learned and how I can pass that information on to him or her, then this is what I would do. And that's what I'm hearing you say, that through this training, through this resource that you've developed, you're able to do that. And that should give a good starting point and certainly a a good um, foundation for them to start building on. And then from there, of course, they can grow, but it's a great starting point. Yeah, so part of the, the um, tool we use is we call it a generosity playbook. So we help them record their generosity plays during the course of the year that they're currently running. Like mm-hmm. every church runs generosity plays. We just typically don't name them and measure them. We just do them. Right. Right. And so a generosity play is I take up the offering every week. I mean, anything we do that touches money, mm-hmm. right, we, we help them name it. 
And so as they go through the year, they, they build their own generosity playbook and then they align it better now that we've exposed that's something we do but might not be getting the the biggest return on because of how we're doing it and then we encourage them you know it really takes three to five years to build confidence so we don't import an outside system we uncover their system with them Mm. then give them the confidence to make their own plays better the way that fits their leadership style and their culture the best and say you know don't reinvent the wheel next year you've got your playbook You've learned from it. Just do better at what you do, and then you'll grow in confidence, and then you'll get creative after that. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's good. So share some of those specifics. What are some of those? uh, I mean, obviously, some of the things you mentioned, like taking up offering, maybe a generosity message or something along those lines is going to be part of that. But what else do you recommend or what else do you help them to uncover and then implement through this process? Give us some specific about this process. Yeah. So the, I'll just, the first two steps uh, in the process is one called launch. So everything for us centers around a digital giving platform. And so our digital giving platform is very, very comprehensive. You can give text app online. You can actually donate non-cash items like cars and business assets, and we liquidate them for you. Uh, We have a module for event generosity, which is a very powerful tool. Mm -hmm. And then we have a crowdfunding generosity. So we have the most comprehensive digital giving platform to unleash for the church. And so everything centers around comprehensive generosity. So the first thing we do is we help a pastor confidently launch into the digital giving age. And if he has already done that, but he's not pleased with his returns, because most churches receive 20% or less of their income digitally. And you really need to be 50 to 75% and should be. So we help them kind of get their head around that and know how to launch that or relaunch that really, really well. That's our launch module. And it's got tools in it from letters to how to set up your website, actually has three sermons and three small group lessons called Get Ready that builds up you know, more of an abundance, positive language that you and I might be comfortable with, as opposed to kind of the obedience law language that you often hear. You know what I mean? Yep. yep. So we, we try to help a pastor just learn how to talk differently about it. And then the second module is called believe. So what's really important to me is to help a pastor not lead with budget pressure or financial pressure mm. and not feel the need to become a better accountant or, or financial person. His strong suit is the Bible. So let me help him uncover what is his personal generosity theology. And so the whole first module is to replace kind of fundraising leadership and pressure leadership with let's uncover three to five biblical principles on generosity that you pastor are really jazzed about and you could not stop talking about. And let's lead that way because that joy and confidence then becomes unstoppable. Mm. I like that. So then does that lead to the down the road having, um, how, how do you relate that? Obviously the pastor plays a huge role and this is one of the most important parts of having a generosity ministry is that your senior leadership gets it. And they it, it's something they live out. It's something they model well, something they practice uh, there are some core things that need to be in there for it to be successful long term. Otherwise, it's it's just a you know obviously a facade, and everybody will see through that. But if the heart's right and they're doing it for the right reason and they're building this up and they're passionate, 
obviously a senior pastor can't just talk about money all the time, right? I mean, that, that would probably be a little bit overkill, even if he's passionate about it. So where does that go into now discipling people? Because we know that from the pulpit, you could do a decent job every week of promoting and, uh, and encouraging uh, biblical principles. But then on a practical side, how do you help them to understand, now what do I do to actually disciple my people in this? Not just in the biblical, but also potentially in the practical as well. Yeah, so we have some really fun exercises that help a pastor. And uh, one of the things we try to do is help him get his, take his pastor hat off. Like mm -hmm. we want you to take your pastor hat off and we want you to just think like I say, Leo, like a normal person would think. So let's pretend you don't have this church pressure on you and you're, you're outside of that and you're really, you're in your home. And I just have them, you know, name the attributes of a generous human being. Mm -hmm. And they just start naming me, you know, they're joy filled. They're sensitive. They're, they're thoughtful. Uh, they're prepared. They're eager. Uh, they're alert to what's going on around them. They're compassionate. So you know, the list goes on and on and on. Right. What they don't say is they're wealthy. And they don't say they, they're a deacon or a trustee. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they, don't say any, they don't say any of those things. So then I just help them. The next time I say, all right, so now that you've seen the heart of a generous person, how comfortable are you preaching and teaching on all those topics you just listened? Because we just said together that what helps with outcome generosity is really begins with income generosity in our heart. And it is things like patience and alertness and listening and shit. So helping them see, mm, chasing the money, that's nowhere on in this conversation. Mm -hmm. It's really something much different than that. And they have, they had no idea that's how it worked in a person's heart. But when they see that now, all of a sudden their confidence is through the roof. And I mean, you can't, you can't stop them at that point. Cause it's not talking about money at all. It's talking mm -hmm. about many other things. Yeah, that's good. So how does it look like in the, in the discipleship of the actual individual member outside of the weekend service? What do you guys uh, recommend as far as that's concerned? Right. So another, another filter or model that we have is we help the pastor name the different kinds of givers in his church, because not every giver is the same and not every giving act is the same at every stage in our lives. Right. So we try to help, we try to give them a couple filters so they can get really practical with it. So we teach five different kinds of givers. That's not magical. It's just what we teach. And it's a beginning giver, a consistent giver, a tithing giver, mm. an expanding giver, and an extravagant giver. So we teach five different kinds of givers. And we just say, let's think for a moment what a beginning giver does, right? So to just lead them in a tithing message probably is not as helpful as we think it is. Mm. You know what I mean? So let's back up and be really, really helpful. And what if that beginning giver has two preschool kids? So let's think practically about leading a beginning giver by a generation. And, you know, you think even a senior adult can easily go from being a very significant giver prior to retirement because peak earning years, then they move into retirement. And so then almost they can go from being an extravagant giver to being a beginning giver all over again because of stage of life. Mm -hmm. So we help them think you don't, you don't graduate, you know, it's a cycle and depending on, you know, where you are, it's you know, we need to have a special message that helps that person move forward where they are and not one generic message for everybody to do the same thing. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, it is part of 
uh, of the cycles of life that sometimes giving can be different in the way we give, meaning the dollar amount, right? I mean, if you are in those peak income earning years, you're going to potentially give more, especially if you're a consistent giver. But there are seasons when you can't, you know, the income's not coming in, you're living off of investments or, or there's different seasons where you're not earning as much. And in those seasons, you still want people to, to be generous. You still want them to feel like they're doing everything in the way God's leading them to do it in the area of generosity without feeling like, because I think we tend to, at least here in the, in the Western world, we, we tend to think that it's the amount that matters, that somehow we're supposed to you know, graduate to larger and larger, larger amounts, and that's extravagant generosity. And yet we see in Scripture that extravagant generosity is not an amount. I mean, Jesus clearly said she gave, you know, about the widow, so she gave more than all of them because she gave out of her lack, whereas they gave out of their surplus. So it is about helping pastors first and foremost, and of course, then you are by default helping that pastor, that leadership to disciple givers uh, in the way to give the right way, to give biblically, to give consistently, to make sure that it's part of who you are, not a practice that you're doing that's legalistic. So that leads me to a question, because this is a debate that we have seen in the church for, well, a long, long time, and that's the whole tithing. You know, should we still be tithing in the New Testament, and is that a law thing? You know, where do you land on that? I know you and I see this in the same way, but how do you address that issue with pastors when they're thinking, well, gosh, if I can get everybody to tithe, I'd be okay. (laughs) We would be okay. How do you address that? So I tell pastors that the tithing message is hurting you more than it's helping you. Mm. Okay, Okay. go deeper with that. Yeah. So before I go deeper with it, let me just be really clear. I've been a biblical tither since I was a high school student and above and beyond giver since I was a high school student. Okay. So let's make sure everyone understands that. No one needs to be hitting me up on social media here. Todd is not against tithing, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's just think about this for a minute. And pastors know this. I'm not telling them anything new. So every year they do an annual tithing message. And I ask, what's the long-term positive impact on that? Hmm. Nothing really, right? The giving might go up if you do a 90-day challenge, but it's not, you're not creating long-term. So let's just all admit that that play isn't working. As much as you want to say, if everyone would just, Mm -hmm. we've been running that play for decades, okay? It doesn't work. Now, how do we get something to work? Well, let's just say it's a beginning giver in there and they, they, they would tithe if they could, but man, they just can't. They, just, they feel like they actually can't. So when you teach that message, they're leaving with guilt and shame and you're not realizing that. So they are checking out. They're not even getting in the game and trying. They're feeling very, very badly and they're getting out. Now you've got the other person who is a serial tither for 20 years and it's a bill to them. There's no joy in it. And they just think, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. Oh, I've been doing that. Well, the they have no, done. yeah, done. So you're not, you're not helping them grow either. So when I say the tithing message is hurting more than it's helping, I, it's those three things together that I just shared with you. So I believe in the, I, I believe tithing is a biblical principle, but I don't think it's our goal. Mm-mm. It's not our goal in any way, shape, or form. You mentioned the, the, the widow's mite, okay? My, one of my favorite giving stories is the story of Zacchaeus. 
Mm. Right. So he's the opposite of the widow. Right. Right. He is, you know, a mature gentleman, very successful in his career, but he's empty. He desperately climbs up a tree. By the time he gets down to the bottom of the tree, his life is transformed by Jesus. Mm. And he gives 50 percent away. That's not counting the the money he's repaying people for being crooked. He's giving 50 percent away. All right, so I tell pastors, we're all grateful right now that he didn't go to your new members class where you just told him only to give 10 because God mm-hmm. told him to give 50. That's right. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. so we are underselling, we're underselling generosity when we focus on 10%. I agree. I think it's a bit of a scarcity mindset. Uh, and I know that there are some pastors who do a good job of teaching on it because their focus is not to get people to just give 10% and obey a law, obey a principle, but actually live that principle out because of a relationship, not because, well, God said so, so I better check this box off just in case. It's not fire insurance. It's none of that. And I think sometimes the message of generosity, especially if if it comes just around that tithing topic, which unfortunately, even for those messages, a lot of the younger people don't, they just don't buy into it at all. So it's important that one, we teach it biblically, that we help build that foundation. What does it mean? Why is it in Scripture? What does it say about it? Uh, Let's not tailor the message to make it fit the outcome that we want, which is increased giving. Let's just tailor the message to increase the the desire for people to be more generous toward God, and of course, generous toward toward their church and and all the things that God is doing through uh, the church. But I agree with you. I'm also a lifelong tither. Um, The first time I joined a church, it was right after I married my wife, who was at the time not a Christian. Uh, she got saved at the first church that we joined. And uh, and we got the packet, you know, that it was an Assemblies of God church, and we got the packet, and it said, hey, as a member of this church, you agreed to, and, you know, it said tithe and support with tithes and offering. And I thought, huh, well, that kind of makes sense. I mean, they got to keep the lights on. The pastor's got to get paid. I guess that makes sense. And I just did it. Now, I also grew up in the church, so it, but it was not... Tithing was not taught in my church that I grew up in, um, at least not that I recall. It was more, you know, the pa- the plate was passed and all of that, but tithing in itself was not preached or taught. And so for me, it was just like, well, okay, that makes sense. So I gave for years, but it, for me, it was more of, well, this is what you do. If you're a Christian, you tithe. I mean, that's just what you do. And it wasn't until much later that I actually heard the message of generosity, not tithing, but generosity. The fact that God was generous himself toward me and that the blessings that I received were from him and seeing my money, not as my own, but something that he entrusted to me and just seeing his faithfulness over the years. But I didn't stop at tithing. And I think that's something that's really important. When you learn about generosity, it doesn't create a ceiling. It creates an open door because now you can go as far as God will allow you to go, as far as your heart or your courage will take you, because sometimes it is scary to be generous. Um, And not everybody has the gift of giving. I mean, I I thought for many years that I did, and I I learned that I didn't. But I am, I try to be generous uh, in the sense that I know it's not just an obligation for me. It is a response to God's goodness and grace in my own life. And I think if we can help pastors understand that, that that's what all of us desire is to truly be engaged uh, in this intimate act of taking the resource that, that God's put in our hands and saying, gosh, I'm so grateful uh, for God, what God has given me, and, and I have more than enough, and then I can pass it on. And even in times of difficulty, like the time we're facing today, 
there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of scarcity mindset out there. Uh, everyone is kind of freaking out what's going to happen, you know, and, uh, and generosity is not usually at the top of people's minds in a situation like this, at least not when it comes to giving money. Maybe we'll help a neighbor, maybe we'll do a grocery run, but I mean, let's talk about that. How are you guys approaching the topic of generosity in a season like this with COVID-19 and everything that's happened? Yeah, so let me, I want to go back to something you said, the tie, tie a bow real quick for a pastor so we can understand. Can I do that real quick, Leo? Sure, yes. Yeah, so just you know, go back to your experience in the church membership class where you were you know, required to tie, okay? Mm -hmm. So most pastors want what you described as the, you learned later in life, the open door and joy of generosity. Mm -hmm. You didn't learn that because you went in a church membership class and you were required to tithe. So let's tie some, some bows here. If you want joy-filled, open-door generosity that extends way beyond the tithe, you cannot lead with the law. Mm. If you lead with the law, you're going to get something, right. but you're not going to get what you want. You're not going to get joy-filled, open-door. So great stuff. I wanted to tie that. So your question was, um, again, how, how are we helping folks? So, mm -hmm. so really, this is, an, this is an extremely generous season right now mm. because there are so many needs around us. Yes. And you're, you're, you know, in, I'm in a workplace, so I know where people are losing income. Mm -hmm. I know what's going on in my neighborhood now more than ever before. Right. I know the struggles of people who, who are being furloughed. So there's a lot, there's a lot of generosity happening today outside of the church because the one pastors don't have confidence in this. So, and we're concerned oftentimes about focusing on our budget where our people just started living generously. And now with social media where, you know, everybody's needs around you mm. and people who are above and beyond givers have been giving above and beyond to local organizations to help feed the hungry or help them with unemployment or, you know, whole businesses are turning outwardly and, you know, creating whatever resources they need to serve the community. So, I think when you have a different eye on what generosity looks like, you would, we would all see that it's, it goes faster in the community and in society than it's going in the church because we're a little bit afraid of it in the church. Mm. Mm. That's a good point. Well, uh, that's challenging, isn't it, though? I mean, because the church should be leading in this, in this season. The fun part of my job is that I do get to connect with a lot of pastors, especially stewardship leaders in churches, and I'm hearing a lot of great reports as well as, you know, seeing some fear, some, some concerns, of course. But I'm also hearing of some great stories of churches really kind of blowing the doors open and doing things that they weren't doing two months ago. You know, they're focusing on literally their community. And I've always been a big believer that God, just like he takes individuals and puts them in certain neighborhoods and certain cities and states and countries, that he does the same thing to with this church. He'll plant a church in a specific community because he knows that there are people he loves and cares for that need to be touched by that church in that community. And the only way to get them to connect is to bring a church to them rather than the other way around. And I think in moments like this, especially in the seasons like this, um, and, I, and I, that's the part of that I really am grateful for, that in this season we have looked at our community, we have looked at our neighbors, and we've said, you know, who's living next to me? Do they have a need? And the church, many churches have done the same thing. They have increased their relief effort. They've literally gone door to door. Uh, mega churches, because they're no longer meeting face to face, are now literally calling their members. Uh, that's, a, that's a great thing. I mean, 
I don't. I've been part of mega church, and and it's tough sometimes because you feel like one of a million, and like nobody knows you. Well, now people are getting phone calls and saying, "Hey, we've never done this before, but we do care about you." Um, so in a way, there's been some really good things that have come out of it. Of course, none of it obviously uh, is good. The fact that we're not connecting and there's been some challenges there. And my hope is, my prayer is really that we would t- return to a some uh, somewhat normal uh, pattern of life here soon. But in the meantime, I think it is worthwhile to look and say, how can I use this season to be generous and join in, not just join in with what the world is doing, what non-believers are doing, but the church, like I said, should be leading in this effort. So there are some great stories, I think, that we'll hear that have been coming out and will continue to come. But I I am challenging those that are listening today, uh, pastors, churches, to to, to not be afraid. Uh, God will provide when we trust Him. Uh, he, like you said at the beginning with your story, you know, God did some things that you were just totally blown away by. You didn't realize that God could do that. Uh, it was your experience that helped you to see something that maybe just, again, maybe the way you approached it was, hey, you, you build this campaign, the standards are that you get about 50%, and all of a sudden, boom, it just goes 100% plus, and you're like, what, what just happened, right? Now you want to know, God, what do we need to do, not to repeat that, but to allow you to work in that way again? And I think that's that's fantastic. So right, and so just to kind of tag on what you're saying there, and I'm going to put on my stewardship hat right now because this is where stewardship is connected to generosity, is in a season um, where you can now refocus your church resources. Right. So over time, churches tend to keep spending more and more money every single year, and we tend to not sunset ministries that used to be more effective. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we kind of, as stewards, we're, we're not being good stewards of God's resources. So when we're looking in a season where I've been telling church leaders, every church budget for 2020 is currently wrong and every church calendar is currently wrong. Okay. Sure. So now's the time to look at your budget and say, what specific ministries is God calling us to? Because you don't have to do everything, right? That's why God has so many churches in your city. Right. Find out what your church is great at doing and the, and the avenues that are open for you. Channel all your resources to your sweet spot. Trust that God has another church in another sweet spot. You, and you'll see that you'll, you'll spend less money. Mm-hmm. You'll get more result. You'll have more financial margin, less financial stress. And you will be able to say yes to more surprise opportunities because you focused your resources instead of just spent your resources. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's obviously what you're saying is very basic, but it really goes to the heart of, are you leading the church in the way God's calling you to do it? Or are you just looking and saying, how can I fix things that I think are broken? Because we can inter- we can take uh, situations that we see, community needs, those kind of things, and tailor our own thinking and plan on how to deal with it, but like you said, you know, the, the church body is vast in gifts and abilities, and we're supposed to work together to accomplish that, uh, the, the greater purpose of meeting the needs of the people and, you know, of course, sharing the gospel. And so many times we miss that. We think our church needs to do it all. They need to feed the poor. They need to go international. They, uh, sometimes I wonder why a church of 200 people even have an international program. I really do. I mean, I don't mean to sound negative about that. I think it's good to support those, but maybe you write a check to another church that's doing some amazing things, 
rather than trying to you know sponsor a church overseas when you have so many needs in the backyard. So I think it's really important to consider that our own generosity needs to start both at the personal level, but also on a church level with just seeking God. God, how would you want us to steward this so that we can be generous to the degree that you want us to be and in the areas you want us to be focused on? So I love that. Yeah. So something that, that I, when, when all this started to happen, um, you know, I really encourage pastors to look at other churches because we know that there are other churches doing things we're not doing and joining with them might be the most effective use mm-hmm. of your resource. Yes. And, and there are going to be some cities that are hurt much harder than others. So if your city's not hurt very hard, there, there's probably a church that's got 40% unemployment mm. and we, we don't want to lose a church. You know what I mean? And we want to fuel the evangelistic ministry. So learning to partner with other churches like you might partner with an external agency of some kind mm-hmm. is a really important way to think about advancing the kingdom. Yeah. I mean, and, and particularly when you think about smaller churches who may be really, really struggling that we just don't want to lose, that's a ministry opportunity for larger churches uh, to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, man, I'd love to see more of that. I think that would be a a story that would uh, definitely catch fire and, and a lot more churches would see the vision for it. But I, again, going back to our topic here, generosity is kind of at the core of that, isn't it? I mean, if we're not, if we're not first and foremost understanding the need to be generous and then positioning ourselves in a way that we can be generous by both being good stewards with what we've been given and then maximizing those resources to where God has called us to, then generosity is kind of a shotgun approach, you know, we're going to do a little bit here, a little bit there. And sometimes I question, I mean, even in my own personal journey of generosity, I don't want to just give because it makes me feel better. (laughs) Uh, If that's my motive, then I'm not getting this right. I need to give because I'm being led to give where God has opened a door for me to give because he has a plan. It's not my money. It's not what I do that matters. Yes, my faithfulness counts because he can channel those resources, but it's only when I understand that, only when I live that out, uh, that, that I can actually be part of what God's doing rather than just make myself feel better. And I think churches are just as guilty as we individually are of just trying to solve problems rather than saying, God, what are you up to and how can we you know, cooperate with you to get that done? Your word, you use one word in there that is so biblical, that is so freeing, is you want to give where you feel led. Mm. So just go back to the widow's might, right? So she gave all because she felt led. It wasn't the law. It's what she was felt led to do. And in our world, we would have said, no, you don't need to give. You need to keep that. Mm -hmm. Zacchaeus, he didn't give the law. He gave 50%. The only way you do that is being led. Mm -hmm. So when we lead people to be led by God in this area, you release exponentially more than 10%. Oh, yeah. Exponentially. So good word, Leo. Good job. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, um, so we're almost out of time, but I'd just love for you to share your heart for pastors. And what would you want to say to a senior pastor, maybe a pastor out there that right now is thinking, I'm not sure how long this is going to last, but I hope it ends soon because we may not make it. What would you say to them? How would you encourage them in this season? And uh, what resources can you offer them uh, to help them to really get a handle on this generosity thing? and move their people to a deeper uh, relationship with the Lord as it relates to resources, stewardship, generosity. Yeah. So the single most important factor in a church having a generous culture is the senior leader. 
Mm. It's the single most important factor. And most pastors don't step into that because they feel like, man, they might feel personal guilt and shame because they're not leading it for whatever reason. And hey, the pastors aren't the highest paid folks in the world. We get it, right? I understand. And, um, and so they tend to never step into this because of that lack of confidence. And so I, I would say to a pastor, now's the time to just take your step, your step forward. And generosity work is actually faith work. It's more about what we believe in God and how big our God is than how much money we have. Mm. Right. So, so I would say step into whatever your next step is. That's a faith increasing step in this world, the generosity and, and have let God show up and for you in a massive way. Mm. Right. He's not here to let us fail. That's true. He's not. True. He's not. That's right. That's he's got the he's got the future in his hands. He's got it all figured out. So uh, lean into a growing faith during this season and take one step forward. Don't worry about how unconfident you feel or even how guilty you may feel something you did or didn't do in the past or what you have and don't have or whatever. Mm. Start today. Do something small to live a generous life, and then your people are going to follow you if you'll stay on that journey. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful said. I mean, I think it's, uh, you can't lead people where you haven't gone yourself. And I think the most important part, like you said, is for the senior pastor to not only live this out themselves, but realize that they need to do it humbly, but openly. Like they need to talk about it. If they don't talk about it, it doesn't matter how good of a job they're doing. They're keeping a really good secret to themselves for whatever reason. And I just want to encourage every pastor that's listening to this podcast, um, just follow the wisdom you've just been given. Don't worry about the past. None of us have done this perfectly. Uh, this is a journey, and it's just faithful steps, consistent faithful steps that'll get you there and get your people there. Todd, I just so appreciate your heart. Uh, I know that when you're serving pastors, both from the seat you're sitting in, but also even on an individual basis, I know you do it with the right heart. You're trying to really just help this individual, this pastor, understand how they should live out generously, but because you also recognize the influence that they have and the ability to lead others, it's such an important role. So I appreciate you being in this space. Uh, love the resources that you guys are have produced and are producing. I know that you've got several things going on. Of course, your website, lifewaygenerosity.com is a great place to go. There are resources there. There's training there. There's a blog. There's video blogs and, of course, podcasts. And they just have a lot of great, great tools. Of course, their online giving tool is excellent. So I just encourage you guys to check them out. They are a great resource for going deeper in the area of generosity. But I think you'll love everything that they're doing. Todd, any last words? No, thank you very much. I'm always glad to get the opportunity to talk about my life passion. So thank you. And I want to say thank you to CSN for what you do. You guys have been blazing trails for uh, two decades for a small group of people who who are really passionate about this topic. So thank you for all your, all your investment. Yeah, appreciate you, Todd. And I want to thank you for joining us for the Stewardship Leader Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, would you do us a huge favor and take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. To learn more about generosity by Lifeway, visit them at lifewaygenerosity.com. You'll find all this great teaching, training, and resources that they've developed to help you and your church grow in your generosity. 
To learn more about CSN and connect with other passionate stewardship leaders, visit us at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. You can also connect with us through all social media platforms, especially on our Facebook page and through our CSN community group. Well, until next time, remember, God has called you to be the best generous steward you can be. So be that faithful steward, but go one step further. Teach others to do the same.